0: Seated. I want you to consider uh, just for a moment uh, as we're, we're getting started today about uh, what are some things that bring you comfort and peace when you're stressed. It should be a fairly easy thing to think about given the last several weeks and uh, months of our life, but what are the things that you turn to that comfort you when you're stressed? Maybe for you it's like a food thing and you're a sweets person or You're a salty person, no offense to your personality, but uh, you're a sweets person, salty person. You're a good meal, good dessert. It just comforts you. Maybe for you, it's uh, watching sports. And like when the NBA came back or uh, when the NFL uh, came back, it just was like a warm blanket. You know, it was, uh, it comforted you. Uh, Maybe for you, it's spending time with others. And so Uh, when the stay at home restrictions were eased up a little bit and you were able to, you know, grab lunch or dinner with a friend or go out to a good meal with someone. It was just like a breath of fresh air to you. And um, we've been in this series that we started uh, last week. We're going to be in John 14 today. Uh, The series is kind of broadly looking at John 13 to kind of 17, 18, somewhere in there, sometimes called the last discourse of Jesus. And in this text, uh, Jesus knows that his disciples are about to face an uncertain road, that he's going to go to the cross, he's going to be crucified, uh, he's going to be resurrected, uh, eventually he's going to ascend back into heaven. That's also There's some uncertainty kind of surrounding that. Uh, later, persecution is going to break out against the church. Jesus references uh, that in this text. All of these kind of uncertainties and fears and unknowns. And Jesus seems to in John 13 through 17 uh, and 18, he, he seems to really put on kind of a pastoral hat. And he says, hey, you know, I know you don't know what you're about to face, but I know you're about to face uncertainty. And so I just want to encourage you on the uncertain road. And so as we were kind of thinking about what to talk about this fall, I, I thought this was um, a really good text for us to be in. That this text is almost uh, talk about what comforts you. Uh, this text is almost a comfort. If you just read it front to end, uh, it, it's it's like a comfort to us as we face the uncertain road. And Jesus is really pastoral, really encouraging. So let me show you uh, John 14. He says, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. You know the place where I am going. I love this. Thomas said, Lord, we don't know where you're going. (laughs) No, we don't, all right? So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask for in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask for anything in my name, and I will do it. Later on in John 16 Jesus quotes a a phrase that we use around here quite a bit, but he says, listen, uh, in John 16, he says, in this world, you will have trouble. That we live in a broken and fallen world, and trouble kind of comes to anybody. If 2020 has taught us anything... It is that in this world, you will have trouble, right? If 2020 is taught, it's one lesson, it, it, it is that. And I, I love the combination of these two texts. A preacher that I listened to, Kettle Eidelman, uh, made this really, really interesting point. I happened to tune into him. And he was preaching on this text. And I knew that I was gonna be preaching on it in a month or so, and it, this gave me a great opportunity to plagiarize and steal, which I appreciated. Um, but he said, Jesus, in this text, he's simultaneously saying two things. He's saying, in this world, you will have trouble. Broken and fallen world, you will have trouble. But then, in this text that we just read, he says, but don't be troubled. Isn't that interesting? In this world, you will have trouble, but don't let your heart and don't let your mind be troubled. And I think that is a really kind of fine line to walk and a really difficult thing for us to consider. about. All right, how do I face trouble without becoming troubled, (laughs) right? It's it's a hard thing to figure out. And Jesus actually teaches us in this text. I think he he wants to remind us of two important truths in this text that will help us to face trouble, any trouble that we're going to face, without being troubled, all right? And the first one is this. He says, first out of two, he said, I am going to prepare a place for you, This is the first thing he wants us to remember in this text about facing trouble without becoming troubled. He said, I am going and I am preparing a place for you. I um, am reminded of, it's kind of a preacher joke to be honest with you, but I'm reminded of two guys that had known each other forever. They were in their 90s and their entire life had been about baseball. They, They played baseball all the time, played in the minor leagues. These two guys Uh, love baseball. One of them had gotten a terminal cancer, was kind of looking at at death in the eye, and his friend said to him, he said, listen, um, I know you're going to heaven. I know about your faith in Jesus. So when you pass away, he said, I want to ask just like one thing of you. If the Lord would allow you to, would you come back and just let me know if there's baseball in heaven? That's all I want to know. I just want to know if there's baseball in heaven, if if the Lord would let you. If the Lord will let me, I will for sure come back. and and, and let you know and so he passes away a couple nights later he kind of shows up in his friend's bedroom his friend's kind of he's like what are you doing here he said well I've got good news and I've got bad news the good news is there's baseball in heaven and these are the most beautiful fields you can imagine all of our old friends are there we're playing it all the time it is one of the most beautiful things you've ever seen in your life yes there is baseball in heaven the bad news is you're pitching next Tuesday um (laughs) right? And I love that joke because it it, kind of highlights this idea of Jesus has gone ahead of us and he is preparing a place for us. And if we go back to the beginning of the origin story uh, that that we did last, was that last year, earlier this year? It's it's at some point we did this year, earlier this year. It's, we're in uh, October going on June. But, um, If you remember in that series, in that story, we studied the in that uh, in that that sermon series, we studied the creation story. And in six days, God created the heavens and the earth. In six days, mountains, uh, fish, all of this beautiful stuff, land creatures, sea creatures, all of this, man, woman, all this beautiful stuff. He creates it in six days. Jesus has been ascended into heaven for two thousand years, preparing a place for you and preparing a place for me. Can you imagine the beauty and the splendor of that place? The truth is, our culture has been fixated and fascinated by heaven for a real long time. Hundreds and hundreds, maybe even thousands of books have been uh, written about heaven. Some of them are like you know second, third-hand accounts of people that have gone and seen it and come back and written about it. And, and I don't know what to make of all of those stories. To be honest with you, they obviously need to line up with scripture and everything. But here's what I do know: we don't need a third-party account of heaven to encourage us about heaven. Uh, the Bible, the biblical account, encourages us plenty about the truth of heaven. All right, let me show you Revelation 21. This is uh, John's vision. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. So we kind of talk about this place that Jesus is preparing is this combination of heaven and earth kind of come together in one kind of beautiful place. And I saw the holy city a New Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe every tear from their eye, and the death and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain any more, for the former things have passed away. And He who was seated on the throne said, "Behold, I am making all things new." And He said, "Write this down. These words are trustworthy and true." Ch- just a chapter later. and night will be no more. There will be no need for light or lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever with him. Heaven, in these accounts, heaven is described as a place of no mourning. I love the imagery of God wiping every tear from our eyes because this place that we're currently in, this place has some mourning that comes with it. And I, I feel like that there have been times during COVID especially, I feel like there have been times where I have failed as a leader to lead us through the mourning process of what we've lost during the season. The open houses, the jobs, the parties, the celebrations, uh, the, the lives of some of the people around you. I feel like we, we haven't always, I haven't done a good job of leading us in a mourning process, but we mourn in this world because we live in a broken and fallen world, but it's important to remember that's this place. That's this place. That Jesus is preparing a new place where there is no death or mourning or crying or pain. Night will be no more and there will be no more tears. Heaven is described as a place that is eternal. I love that the tree of life finds its way back into the storyline. You remember that from Genesis 1? The the series that we did earlier this year where God created the garden kind of in the middle of the earth. I mean, there's two trees in the garden. The tree of knowledge of good and evil. Eat of it and you'll surely die. And there's the tree of life. Eat of it and you will live forever. And Adam and Eve eat from the wrong tree and they bring all of these uh, consequences and curses on the earth as the result of their choice. And then in the storyline of heaven... We see the tree of life return because death and sin has been defeated. We can reach out and take the fruit that God intended us to take from the very beginning and we can live forever with him. And listen, did you notice this? There's no longer any curse. There's no longer any curse in heaven. It is a place of eternal perfection. But the best way heaven is described in these passages or where I want to uh, spend our time right right now, it is heaven is described as the ultimate with God life. Did you notice how dominant the, the throne is in the, in the heaven account? The river flows from the throne. God is seated on the throne. We worship the lamb who is on the throne. The throne is in the center of Everything in the heaven account, because God is fully residing with his people on the throne in a perfect place. There's no sin or Satan or temptation or death or disease. He's on his throne. This is fully, heaven is described as, the, as fully with God, that we are with him, worshiping him, knowing him, giving him the honor and glory and praise that he is due. And these accounts of heaven They are meant to give you hope. As you travel through this world and at times face difficulty and death and disease, this truth is meant to remind you that this place is not all there is. That there is a place being prepared where death and disease and hardship and difficulty are no more. And it's meant to give you hope that there is a better place. So Jesus wants you to know, the first thing he wants you to know as you're facing the uncertain road is that, hey, whatever happens on the uncertain road, no, I have prepared a place for you. But notice, I love how the text pro- progresses. He says, in my Father's house there are many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And then Thomas asks, how do we get there? And Jesus says, we'll put this on the screen. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me that it's not just that he's preparing a place. It's that he has a place for you there. And the reservation, if you want to think about it in that way, the reservation is made through faith in Jesus Christ. But listen, it's important to know this. I, I I wanted to, Jesus talks about the place, so I wanted to give the place its full due. But this text is not just about a place. Did you notice as the text unfolds, it very much and very quickly becomes about a person, So Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in the very next verse, he says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. And look at this. From now on, from now on, you do know him and you do see him. So when Jesus says, I am going there to prepare a place for you, listen, he's definitely talking about a place, a place of perfection, a place where we will be with God forever. That's just not all he's talking about. What he's saying is that this with God life that Jesus came to bring will find its perfection in eternity, to be sure. But the with God life that Jesus came to bring, it is available to you today. As you face the uncertain road as you face a disease or difficulty or hardship, you and I need to know that the the narrative of, of Christianity is not just with God is available to you someday. With God is available to you. In Jesus's words, from now on. From now on, you know him. And from now on, you have seen him. The with God life starts when you put your faith in Jesus. The with God life starts when we put our faith in Jesus. It's not just someday, although it is someday. In perfection, it'll be someday. But it is from now on that Jesus paid for your sins. Jesus went to the cross. He paid for your sins. He resurrected. He came back to life. He has ascended to the Father to make sure that you know that the with God life is available to you today and forever. That's why Jesus came, to make the the with God life available today and forever, and there is a place for you with God. There's a place for you with God. And as the disciples went on and faced that uncertain road, the uncertainty of what life would look like without Jesus physically present with them, the uncertainty that came with all the persecution they faced, the uncertainty that came from hardship, I wonder if these words came to their mind. Not someday. From now on, you have seen him. And from now on, you know him. See, in the middle of the uncertain road, there's one thing you can be certain of. I want to put it on the screen for you. Here's what you can be certain of. He is with you the with God life that Jesus came to bring, that this is the one, one of the things that we can be absolutely certain of. He is with us today. We're not just gonna be with him someday in heaven. It'll be perfected in heaven, but he is with us today. And what can sometimes happen is when you believe that the, the message of Christianity is all about uh, heaven and not about today, what can happen is what's called evacuation theology. And evacuation theology teaches that the the primary, or sometimes even the only thing that God wants to do is he wants to take us to heaven when we die, and he certainly is going to take us to heaven, but that's just not the only thing he came to do. It's not biblical. The Bible talks about heaven, but the Bible wants to make it super clear that with God, walking through life with God, it is available to you, and it is available to me today from now on you have seen him and from now on you know him imagine you have a billionaire father anyone have any experience with that <laughs> you have a billionaire father you might if you had a billionaire father you might have an expectation about an inheritance someday all right let's just you might think about that a little bit like man i got a billionaire father you might think about an inheritance someday But if you love your father, and you know he loves you, you understand that your father is with you right now. And that relationship gives you so much joy that goes beyond an inheritance someday. And so you are invited to go through this, to walk the path of this uncertain road. Whatever you're facing with uncertainty, COVID uncertainties, uh, relationship uncertainties, economic uncertainties, You are invited to travel the uncertain road knowing God is with you. You are invited to do that and we are invited into the with God life right now. And the rest of the text kind of lays out kind of what this means. All right? And you're going to see a couple references to this, but uh, the teaching here is that Jesus ascends into heaven and to make sure that, that everybody knows that God is with them, he ascends to heaven, and then he gives his believers the Holy Spirit so that they especially can know, I am with you. On the uncertain road, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. And, and the Holy Spirit comes in the book of Acts and uh, uh, inhabits the, the life of every believer and you're going to see a few references in this text to that but here's what I want you to know as we travel the uncertain road with God understanding he's with us it means several things according to Jesus the first thing it means is we have a purpose Jesus says very truly I tell you this is crazy by the way crazy cool but whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So he's talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus lays out here is earlier in the text, he lays out how his works came to be. He said, the reason the works that I did were able to happen is because I'm in the Father and the Father is in me. And that relationship between me and the Father produced the works that Jesus did over the course of three years. And now he's transitioning it to us and he's teaching us that, man, now the spirit of Christ lives in you, you're in Christ, his spirit's in you, and that marriage together in your life is gonna produce the works that Jesus did. So he's kind of drawing a comparison between he and the father and us and him. He says, I was in the father, the father's in me, it produced the works that I did over the course of those three years. Now, you're in Christ Jesus, the spirit of Christ is in you, And this is going to produce the works that I did. Talked a little bit about this last week, about in general what this looks like in in the life of a Jesus follower. But we know about Jesus, if we're gonna do the works that he did, we know that he showed up. We know that he met needs. We know he sacrificed. Those are some of the works in a, a general sense. But here's what I want you to see. The reason Jesus says, we're gonna talk about this more in the coming weeks, but the reason Jesus says that even greater things will happen than than what what he did when he was here on earth is because he's talking about the Holy Spirit's presence being unleashed in the life of every believer. And now they, kind of in Christ and Christ in them, now they're gonna do the works of Jesus. Imagine that multiplied by millions and millions of people. All going out committed to doing the works of Christ. I think this can look a little bit different in each of us because of our gifting. So in a general sense, we know Jesus sacrificed, he gave, he did all that. I think it looks different in our life. It can look different depending on your gifting, but here's one thing I know for sure about you on the uncertain road. God has a holy purpose for your life because you're in Christ and Christ is in you, gonna produce works, and God has a holy purpose for your life. And when I say holy, there's two kind of Bible words I want to grab onto right now. The first is holy, which means different, or like God, like Jesus. That's what the holy life is. The holy life is just a a different kind of life that is found in Christ Jesus. That's holy. You know what the opposite of holiness is? It's not unholiness, although that is also an opposite, but the biblical kind of opposite of holiness is a word called profaneness, that we end up looking the same as everybody else else, and make no mistake about it, we are are called into a holy purpose, not a profane purpose. We are called to look different from our culture, different from our neighbors. We are called to his purpose. You know what the fruit of the Spirit is? When the Spirit invades your life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That's I'm not going to judge our culture, but that's different. That's different. That's holy. That's what we're called to when the spirit of Christ invades our, our life. And I think as we're facing an uncertain road, this is really important to remember. The spirit of Christ is in you. And he is calling you into holiness. He's calling you to look different. He's calling me to look different. He's calling all of us to be different. That my approach to COVID will be different. My approach to politics be a lot different. My approach to economics will be different. It won't be the same because Christ is in me. His spirit is in me. And he's called me to a holy purpose. All right? So we're, we're called into purpose The with God life, traveling with God, where Christ is in me and I'm in Christ, it also means that we have power, right? Through the Holy Spirit, through the Spirit of Jesus, that God is with us and that gives us his power is at work and is alive in us. And we'll get more into that as the series continues because more and more texts talk about that. But there's something on the uncertain road, there's something I want you to be absolutely certain of his power, the spirit of Christ, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead, his power is in you through the Holy Spirit. And this truth accounts for the radical change of the disciples. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, often their faith fails, they're timid, they're afraid, they're unsure, they're hiding in the upper room during the crucifixion of Jesus. These guys are not like rock stars in the moment, right? Their their faith is failing. And then you get to the book of Acts. You turn a couple pages to the book of Acts. And Peter, who denied Jesus three times, Peter gets up and says, hey, I got a sermon I want to give you guys. It's called, You Kill Jesus. And, And he preaches with boldness and power and authority what accounts for the change. The resurrection And eventually, the Holy Spirit coming and inhabiting the life of the early church. These guys were forever changed by the work of the Spirit. Here's what this means I'm gonna sound like Tony Robbins just for a minute, but this is not Tony Robbins, all right? But here's what that means You are stronger than you think you are, you have more courage than you think you have. You are more gifted than you give yourself credit for. And this is not Tony Robbins self help rah 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 garbage. This is theological. That the spirit of Christ, the spirit that rose him from the dead, is inside of you. And he's inside of me. So as you face the uncertainty of the days ahead, know you are stronger in Christ. You are more courageous in Christ. You are more gifted in Christ. And so we can face the uncertain road with a certain amount of boldness, not because we are awesome, but because the spirit of Christ is awesome and he lives in us. Last one. The with God life, me being in Christ and Christ through his spirit being in me means that as I face the uncertain road, we have access to God through prayer. He says, I will do kind of, I wish we had even more time to get into this, but you are second service, so maybe we'll just take more time, all right? Um, I will, where do you gotta be, all right? So, um, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Whoa, anything, anything? There's a caveat, all right. Let me explain it this way: if you if you were to ever wonder on a Friday night what we're doing at the Higgs house, I know you don't think about that on a Friday night, but just kind of go with the illustration. It's fine to not think about it, but if you were to ever to think about, like, I wonder what Steve share on the kids are up to on a Friday. You don't need to wonder. Every Friday night, we do the, pretty much the same thing: we order pizza and we do a movie. We do family movie night, and each uh, there's four members of our family, so one kind of Friday and month, you get to choose what the movie is. So Sam gets a choice, Lila gets a choice, spoiler alert, frozen, um, and Cheryl gets, Cheryl gets a choice and I get a choice. Let me tell you what is not happening when it's my choice. All right, we're going to order pizza, we're going to have movie night with my nine-year-old and my almost three-year-old. You know what we're watching tonight? Die hard. You know what we're watching tonight? Halloween three, or It, I think, I think Lila would really enjoy It. It's about a clown. No, of course we're not going to do that because there's just kind of an understanding that we're gonna pick a movie that everyone likes to watch. Everybody gets it in our family, but Sam, all right? Um, in these verses, it's just kind of understood that we're gonna ask for things that glorify God and his son Jesus. It's also important to remember that what Jesus is teaching here is a prayer about mission and not a prayer about desire. So praying the desires of your heart, that is very biblical. There's nothing wrong with praying the desires of your heart. It is just a separate sermon uh, that I'm not going to get into today. This is a prayer about mission. It is a prayer that kind of goes like this. Jesus, we desire for your name to be great. We desire for you to be famous. We desire for you to be known. We desire for your name to be greater and greater and greater. Because especially on the uncertain road, Jesus, we recognize you are what people need. They need your grace. They need your wisdom. They need your power. They need your patience. They need you now more than ever. They need the fruits of your spirit. They need You Jesus, So this is saying that we are going to start to pray a prayer of mission when we're on the uncertain road. Man, Jesus, would you help us to make your name great? Would you help us to make you famous? Would you help us to glorify you above everything else so that people will see you, come to faith in you, and experience all the beauty and majesty of what you do on the uncertain road? And so I want to invite you to join me in praying a prayer like that. And praying a prayer of mission, that especially right now on the uncertain road. Man, God, would you help us at Northwest Christian Church? Would you help us make your name great, not ours? People don't need us, they need Jesus. Would you help us to make you famous? Would you help us to glorify you above all other things? And I am telling you, I would be really excited to see what Jesus does with that prayer. He says, ask for anything in my name and I'll do it. This is a prayer that he says, this is pretty much an automatic yes. Mom and dad, can I eat broccoli for lunch? Yes. Right, yes, you may. All right, this is a prayer that, that is answered with a yes because we're joining God in his mission. So Jesus says, on the uncertain road, believe in God. You believe in God, believe also in me. I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you. Certainly, I'm gonna go and prepare a place for you. But I'm also going to provide a way for you to have the with God life today. A life of joy and hope and peace so that when you're on the uncertain road that we're all on right now, you can be certain of this. God is with you. You're in Christ and Christ is in you. He's with you. Stronger, you're stronger than you realize. You have more purpose than maybe you knew. More courage. More courage more joy, more hope. It's the spirit of Christ that resides in us. So don't lose heart. Do not lose heart. You are not alone. You have great power in you. You have access to God through prayer. He has provided a way for you to live with God, not just someday, but from now on. I love that phrase, from now on, because he could have just continued to talk about the place in the future. He says, no, no, no. What I'm doing is bigger than that. It's from now on. From the moment you put your faith in me, from now on, you know him and you have seen him and he is with you. Let's receive communion together. It's under your chair. What I would like to do is, I want to open this up with prayer and I want to provide a little bit of time of silence just for you to spend some time with God thanking him for making a way through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, thanking him for making the with God life available to you today, from, from now on, uh, not just someday, but today, and uh, just give you a little bit of time to reflect on Jesus' sacrifice and what God accomplished through it, and then I'll close out that prayer, and then we'll receive it together, all right? Heavenly Father, we thank you for so much for Jesus. We thank you for his grace. We thank you for the way that he made for us, Help us to remember it. On the uncertain road we can forget, help us to remember. And now we want to lift our prayers up to you. Thank you, God, for the sacrifice of your son. It gives us hope into the future, but it gives us hope today, knowing you're with us. It is in Jesus' name that we pray, amen. His body given for you. His blood poured out. My prayer for us is that we would leave this place encouraged and emboldened, understanding that the with God life will find its perfection someday. It certainly will when Jesus returns. But the with God life is available right now. And it means joy, hope, and peace, and courage, and strength, and purpose. Not just in the future, it means it from now on, today, right now. So as you leave this place, may you walk out in full confidence knowing that he's with you. And when you go out and face all the uncertainties, you know, first uncertainty about what are you going to do for lunch, but even beyond that, the more serious uncertainties. As you face those uncertainties, know that he is with you. And you are absolutely not alone. I love you, God bless, have a great Sunday.